when I was younger, and when I say younger, I mean young, uh, probably Jackson's age, maybe around nine or ten. When I was his age, and I don't even know if my mom and dad know this, because I don't know that I've ever had a reason to share it. <clears throat> when I was nine or ten, and honestly throughout my entire life, even up to now, but specifically when I was nine or ten, when I would see individuals older than me, 16 or 17, for some reason, and I didn't know why, it came to my mind that I can't believe that I will one day see that age. And you might be thinking, in fact, I shared that with my wife at one point, and she said, that's really dark. <laughs> like, that's really morbid. Now, I want to tell you that it's not because there was some sort of traumatic thing that happened in my life. My family knows I, we, we lived a pretty blessed life. Um, I'm very gra grateful and thankful for the life that I've lived. But for some reason, I always had it in my mind that I wouldn't see that. So when I saw individuals driving, for some reason it came to my mind like, I don't think I'll ever be at that age where I drive. Now, that sounds weird, I know. I couldn't fathom myself being in that place. And I think it was just so foreign to me. You know, I'm a kid playing with He-Man and Transformers. And you, by the way, five years ago, if I'd have said that, our kids wouldn't have known what I was talking about, but things come back around, right? But that's what I was playing with, you know. I was like, I couldn't imagine driving a car. But then it dawned on me that when I was kind of thinking about this just a couple days ago as I was looking over our passage, that when I was 16, I could never see myself in college. I thought, something is just going to happen where I'm not going to be in college. I'm morbid, right? As I got into college, I had this vision. And I was just like, when I say vision, I don't mean like some sort of, you know, crazy dream type vision. It's just this idea I don't know if I see myself married and with kids and all that kind of stuff. I always thought, it wasn't a sense of dread, by the way. It wasn't this sense of dread. It wasn't something I worried about. It's not like I stayed up late at night worrying, oh my gosh, I'm never going to drive a car, or I'm never going to go to college, or I'm never going to have a family and kids, that something's going to happen to prevent that, and, I'm going, and that I'm going to die before that, that happens. It wasn't a sense of dread. It wasn't a sense that, like, I'm just going to cease to exist. It was just this thought that entered my mind. I didn't, it didn't, I didn't dwell on it or anything like that. Now, I can't be sure why I had those thoughts, but I still have them today. On a somewhat frequent basis, I look at friends and I look at family members who are wiser than I am in age. And I can't imagine myself there. And the reality is, there's probably a pretty good chance that I will get there. There's probably a pretty good chance that I will see retirement and that I'll have grandkids and I'll see my boys get married. There's probably a pretty good chance of that. But then you read the news and you see that there, were, that are, there are always these individuals that are making plans almost as if those things are guaranteed. Most of you all know this past week, or in, over the past few weeks, that Betty White, who, is, who was literally older than sliced bread, <laughs> passed away just a week before she turned 100 years old. Now, she died peacefully in her sleep, but the truth is, is that she was 99, folks. It, that wasn't like a bit. It was a shocker because we thought she was like Dick Clark and was going to live forever, right? But it wasn't a shocker. We woke up and we're like, that's sad, you know, because we all love Betty White, right? Some of us probably even had Christmas ornaments with her face on it on our, on our tree. No, no, okay, all right. You know, like Golden Girls, right? 
But I mean, it was a sh- it, 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 we were shocked. We didn't expect it. But then again, we're like, well, she was 99. And then last week we get the news that our favorite family dad passed away in his sleep, in his mid-60s. Bob Saget dies. I barely knew his name. I thought it was just Danny Tanner. I just thought, I was like, that's what we all knew him by, right? I'm like, poor Danny. And here's what I have come to after thinking about this for a while. I can't be sure about this. But I'm, I wonder if it was just the Lord planting a seed in my mind and in my heart, preparing me for ministry, allowing me to understand that tomorrow is never guaranteed. It's never guaranteed. We make plans. Folks, I got plans. I got plans for the summer, for late spring summer, that I'm going to go turkey hunting in another state, and that out west, that me and Derek and Dad are going to go antelope hunting this fall. I've got plans for that. I've got plans to see, see Lucas go to, go to college in the fall, and that Jackson's going to go to fifth grade, and I've got plans to see wonderful things happen. I mean, I, I see, I, I envision this stuff, but in the back of my mind, it's always this, 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 this just seed in the back of my mind. It's not morbid. It's just a stark reality. I may not see tomorrow. I may not see tomorrow. I was, Brittany and Derek just got their stuff moved in after a pretty arduous ordeal to their new house. It's a long story. I won't, I won't rehash that in the sermon. If you want to talk about it, plan a day to have Brittany share that with you. But here's what I will say. After that entire thing, I kind of chuckled at your all's expense when I thought all their stuff has moved in. Wouldn't it be kind of funny if the Lord came back today? <laughs> Nothing's not even boxed, uh, unboxed yet. I just thought it'd be kind of funny and ironic. And then we would know for, without a doubt that the Lord has a sense of humor. Why do I say all that? Today's passage is, and I say passage, it's passages. We were going to walk through this morning, chapter 17 of Revelation. And after I was wrestling with it, and, I, and when I tell you wrestling with it, here's what I wrestled with. Not really how to understand it, even though it is very difficult to understand, these next two chapters are very difficult to grasp, okay? And so I thought, do I try to come up with an interpretation of these texts? And then I'm like, how do I apply this to the church? I really wrestled with this one, folks. A lot of times it's not that difficult. This one was difficult because, folks, it's the fall of Babylon. That's what the next two chapters are about. And so I thought about this. I was like, this letter was written to Christians. This letter was written to Christians, and it was written to individuals to either show them God's grace in their life or to convict them so that they would repent and believe. Because what is coming is in fact guaranteed. Your tomorrow is not guaranteed, but this is. This is guaranteed. So instead of me breaking down all this passage, here's what I want to do. I'm going to read chapter 17 and 18 with you. I know, two whole chapters. Can't Do we have the patience for it? I'm going to take about five minutes, and I'm going to explain in general what's going on, just so you'll have the context. But then I want to be really blunt and talk about the gospel. And so I, I hope our kids are listening this morning. The Cadas and the Drakes and the Logans and the Jacksons and the Isaiahs and the Malachis and the Penelopes and every one of us who are big kids too. I hope we're listening this morning. Because I want to talk about the, the level of urgency that there is in this letter. And that you would see Jesus for all that he is. So would you just join with, I think, I think Derek has it on the screen. 
He burned the keyboard up this morning, putting all that on there. <laughs> we're going to start in 17, and we're going to right, walk right through. But just before I begin, so there's some context. When you hear the terms, the prostitute or the harlot, it is referring to Babylon or the city of man. So Babylon has already fallen. It fell many, many, many years ago before Christ. But the city of man still exists. The city of man is basically this world of flesh. And when you hear terms like the beast, it's referring to Rome, because Rome had not yet fallen. But that harlot is riding the beast because they go together. And when you hear about the kings of the earth, I could give you 15 different commentaries, and all 15 different commentaries will give you a different description of who those kings are. But here's what they are in general. They are governments. They are empires. They are human authorities who believe that they hold preeminence over the things of God. And what we're going to see is that they are mere pawns in the plan of God. And we're going to see what happens to mighty Babylon and to that beast. So there, I've explained it. I'm going to say a few more words after I read this, but then we're going to go right into something what I think is more applicable this morning. Join with me in verse 17 or chapter 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, "Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality." And with the wine of whose sexual immorality, the dwellers on earth, those are unbelievers, have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. And it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman who was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. I come to, it comes to mind Jezebel at this moment. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery. Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes of the earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with the seven heads and the ten horns that carries her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to, the, go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundations of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. And this calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are the seven mountains on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen. One is, the other has not yet come. And when he, ha when he does come, he must remain only a little while. And for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven and it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power, but they are, they are to receive authority as kings for one hour, together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the Lamb, and the Lamb will conquer them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And the angel said to me, the waters that you saw where the prostitute is seated are the peoples and the multitudes and the nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they are the beast with they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and, and burn her up with fire. For God has put into their hearts to carry out his purpose for being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. 
And after this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. And the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. And then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others. And repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in her cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, and death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God. Who has judged her and the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her. When they see the smoke of her burning, they will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come and the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses and chariots and slaves, that is, human souls, the fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you. And all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. And the merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that has clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. And all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors, and all those whose trade is on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like this great city? And they threw dust on their heads and wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas for the great city, where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour she was laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and the, you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints, and of all who have been slain on the earth. Would you pray with me? Father, keep us from this fate. Keep us from idolizing this great city. Keep us from idolatry. And keep us for yourself. Help us to remain in Christ, in the gospel, for all eternity. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I like this line here in verse 7 of chapter 18. It says, As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, it says, So give her a like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart, this is what she says in her heart, this is the city of man, okay? So when we say the prostitute or when we say the beast, what we're talking about are earth dwellers or unbelievers, okay? These are rulers, 
These are all these individuals who have, who have claimed power and wealth. They've made a name for themselves instead of a name for Christ. And this is what's in their heart. I sit as queen. I am no widow. And mourning I shall never see. Do you hear the boasting in her words? This is what this prostitute is doing. This prostitute dressed like Jezebel. And she stands for this city of man. She stands for sin and flesh and brokenness of the world. She stands for the rulers and the authorities who claim preeminence over all things and do not give and they do not give Christ his rightful place. He is not the pinnacle, they are. That is this harlot riding a beast. And God is going to give them over to themselves. Do you see that where it talks about these different kings riding in? And there's going to be war. There's going to be battle. There's going to be strife. There's going to be tension. They're going to be clawing and gnashing at one another. And it says that that God is going to give them a period of time for them to rule. But it's going to be brief. It's going to be one hour. One hour. Now, that's not a literal hour, but what we see is that it's short. The time for the city of man is running out. The time for the city of man is running out. And what is God saying? Here's what God is saying to the people of God. Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities." He's saying to the people of God, come out of the city of man. Quit bowing down to the city of man and bow down to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Come out of her. Separate yourself from her. Because when Babylon is thrown down, when the city of man is thrown down, when all of those who have defamed the name of Christ are brought to judgment, all the individuals that made a name for themselves will weep. They will weep. Alas, alas, great Babylon, where have you gone? This great city that afforded them the opportunity to just walk over people for their own name and for their own glory is gone in an hour. Like a blink of an eye, they are gone because nothing can stand before the Lord. Nothing. When you store up treasures for yourself, this is what you reap. This is what you reap. It is a healthy thing for us to remember that we may not make it home today. It's a healthy thing for us to remember that we may not wake up tomorrow. I know of a story of a young woman. She was the son of a pastor, pretty prominent pastor. I can't remember the name. She was a mother. She was a wife, beautiful family, active in church, very committed to Christ. She was 30 years old. She went to bed that evening with plans for the next day. Probably to take her kids to school. Probably to make lunch for them to go to school. Get their clothes ready for school. I can't remember one one way or not, but maybe to go to her work. Maybe she was a teacher. Maybe she worked in finance. Maybe she was a children's minister. I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know if I ever knew. All I know is she had plans. And when her husband woke up the next morning, he looked over and she was dead. She had an aneurysm in her sleep. They were not planning for that. 
None of us plan for that. But we had best come to the reality that that might be our reality. I have lots of plans that I may never see. I may never see. We do not know at what day or hour the Lord is going to require of us our souls. We do not know the day or the hour that Christ is going to say, come out of her, come out of her, lest you be caught up in her sin. Because there are two sets of individuals. There are these merchants and these, these uh, seamen and all these individuals that are, that are making. And by the way, these would have been the individuals that would have made a lot of wealth during this day. It would have made, today we would say the Wall Street folks. We would say, you know, the, the owners of all these companies. And these are not, this is not John saying that these are people that, that just because you have money, you're evil. No, he's saying their evil was built on the back of idolizing wealth and power and sin. It says, these are of one mind. And they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them. Individuals whose names are not written in the book of the life. That's who we're talking about. These are individuals who've given their devotion and their commitment over to the beast. To the ways of man. To the city of man. And it says they will make war on the lamb. But it says the lamb will conquer them. It says, the Lamb will conquer them before He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And it brings to mind when I was reading this, I was like, my goodness, John is really slamming on these, this city of man and these authorities, right? And, last, and as I was thinking, I was like, man, these governments, they're, they're just rotten to the core, it seems, right? Now, you all are like, well, duh, you know. They've been that way ever since, right? Well, I can tell you. I just want to tell you this story, okay? The last time that we saw a humble, peaceful government that admitted they were wrong. And you may say, well, wait a minute. We've heard politicians admit that they were wrong. They're not admitting that they're wrong. They were admitting that their predecessor is wrong, okay? I know how that works, all right? Politicians are very good at apologizing for other people's mistakes, but there was a time when a government actually acted in a very humble way. In 1697, Boston, Massachusetts, yesterday was actually the day that we memorialize this. There was a judge who participated in the Salem Witch Trials. And five years after the Salem Witch Trials, on this day, yesterday in 1697, he lamented the fact that he participated in those trials, and they actually made it a day of fasting and repentance in Boston, Massachusetts, because of their involvement in the Salem Witch Trials. They admitted, and every year they did this, on this day, because it was the day that they realized that they had killed some innocent people, both children and adults, and they lamented the fact. 1697, probably the last time that a government ever lamented for their own mistakes. But I will say this, the city of man will not repent. The city of man will continue, and their way is destruction. Now, I have a question for you. We're going to wrap this up pretty quick, and here's where I need the kiddos and all of us to really listen here. There are only two teams here. There are those who are going to revel in the city of man. And there are those who are going to be called out of the city because they are on the side of Christ. You've already seen a picture of what the city of man looks like. Filled with debauchery, sexual immorality, brokenness, greed, and all those, th those things. 
What I want to do that now is I want to contrast that with the picture of Christ and who He is and why we serve Him rather than the city of man. If we go over to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, I just want you to listen to this. Speaking of Christ, Paul writes, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. Catch that, right? All these authorities, all these rulers that are making a name for themselves. It was only through Christ that they were even created. They owe their existence to Jesus. And that's what happens with the created sinful broken order. Is that they make a name for themselves not realizing that the only reason they have a name to begin with is because God gave it to them. And He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. Did you catch the description of the beast? Who was and who is not and who will be, right? It's, it's, a, it's a distortion of the Lord who was and is and who will be, right? Who will always be because the power and the reign of the beast is temporary. Christ was and is, and for eternity will be. Believe it or not, folks, there will be a day when there will be no beast, there will be no harlot, there will be no dragon, there will be no sin. We can't fathom that. And the only reason is because of Jesus. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, and He is the head of the body of the church, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile Him to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. Kids, adults, teenagers, you are saved, not by your reputation, not by your wealth, not by your friends, not by anything except for the blood of Christ. Kiddos, remember this. The only way that you spend eternity with God, with Christ, is to believe in Him and to repent. That's it. That's it. For in him all the fullness of God was well pleased to dwell, was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile, and might you see, we were once city dwellers. We were once earth dwellers. We were once making a name for ourselves. Pop that collar. Make sure everybody has, knows our ID. That's what we were doing. Until Christ got a hold of us. It's amazing how many individuals that think they are something on their own. These cities in Re we see in Revelation, they think they are something. Every one of these cities have a Times Square. Plastering how awesome they are, how amazing they are. And they will be nothing. Nothing one day. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds... He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. What did you do? Nothing. What did he do? Everything. 
if indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which and of which I, Paul, became an administer, became a minister. How are we saved? Through Christ. Through Christ. We are saved through Christ. Christ is the one that does the saving. And He is saving us from what we've read in Revelation. And He is saving us to Himself. And some of us say, this life is so hard. It is so hard being a Christian. I feel beaten down. I feel broken. I, I am just tired of being an outcast. I want, I want, just for once, to have a name for myself. Just for once, I want to be the guy or the gal. I want to be the one with the name in lights. Just for once, all right? Because this world is really, really hard. Really, really hard. And I don't know if I can keep on. I don't know if I can keep on. I don't know if I can remain in the faith. Because it is just so hard. Let me share with you what Paul also says. He says, so we do not lose heart. Those of you who are struggling, and we all struggle sometimes, do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And some of us are saying, thank God. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. How many of us are fooled by our eyes? We are fooled by our eyes and we are chasing pipe dreams. We are chasing the city of God, the city of man, because we think that that is going to reign eternal, that that's going to give us all the happiness and the joy in the world. But what does the Lord say? What does Paul say in here? Speaking the words of the Lord, he says, those things are transient. They're not going to be here forever. You see where the ship, the shipmen and all the merchants, and they made their mistake because they thought all of these things that they were pouring their souls in were going to last forever, and they are going to rot. They are going to be lit up. When Babylon goes down, everything goes down with the ship. And the Lord says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are, un, are, are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. There is an eternal weight of glory. Are you afflicted this morning by whatever it might be? And what Paul is saying is, just hang on because this life is but a breath. Do not take it for granted. Because tomorrow you may not have it. Tomorrow you may not have it. And there is only one door by which we can enter the kingdom. One. There is only one door. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. How many people are trying to save themselves in the world? It's amazing. All these self-help, if you go to the self-help book section in a library or in a bookstore, oh my gosh, I'm surprised the floor joists can withstand the weight of those massive volumes. Be your better self today. I just imagine that's how they actually would read it, you know, if it was an audio book. Everybody trying to save themselves 
other than going to the only one who can actually save us. And it's Jesus. That's the only one. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out from and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, I want you to catch this. How in the world does this relate to Revelation? Here's why. The city of man is like thieves. They are like wolves, and they make all these promises. All these promises. You, too, can be an Instagram influencer. Just take the right angle of selfie. You, too, can be this. You, too. The world makes us promises and promises and promises. Promising to give you life abundantly. Let me explain what Jesus means here. When he says he's going to give you life abundantly, it does not mean that you're going to be a wealthy, rich, mansion-bearing human being. It doesn't mean that you're going to have this reputation that is up in lights. It may mean that you end up crawling to the foot of the cross. It may mean that you are washing your Savior's feet with your hair. It might mean that you get crucified upside down. But it absolutely means that one day you will have life and life eternally. And that is abundant life, folks. I don't care what kind of name you make for yourself. Jackson has told me, and I'm going to share this with Jackson. I, I hope he doesn't mind. Jackson shared with me that when he grows up, He wants to be an NBA player and a professional archer. And I'm like, you get him, boy. You get him. We all have these dreams. Then reality sets in, right? Now, he may be a professional basketball player and a professional archer one day and pay off my house. You go for it. Lucas may be a professional musician one day and pay off my car. I don't know why Jackson's paying off my house and you're paying off my car, but we'll just leave that alone for right now. But the point is this. None of that amounts to anything if we're not in Christ. None of it. Absolutely none of it. So here's how I want to close. That harlot is riding that beast right now. And the dwellers of the earth are drunk, are drunk with sexual immorality. And by the way, when it says sexual immorality, it doesn't necessarily mean that literally. What it means is idolatry. That's what it means. It means that they have, they have, forfeited themselves over to the city of man. So here's what I want to say to you. Drake and Kada and Logan and Jackson and Isaiah and Malachi and Penelope and Lucas and Rayleigh and all of the adults in here. Let me just tell you something. If you do not have Christ, you have nothing. It's as simple as that. If you do not have Christ, you have nothing. Same goes for Sue, for Peggy, for George. If you don't have Christ, you have nothing. You can make as big a name for yourself as you want. In the end, it won't matter because you won't have Christ. And you may say, well, at least I will have some time for myself. I will have time. I've got time. Listen, let me make a name for myself right now. Because I've got time for that other stuff later. I've got time. I'll tell you what. I will give my life over to Christ. I will give my life over to Christ after I'm done fulfilling all my dreams. Let me do this now. And then later on, I'll, I, I will, I'll settle down. I'll join a church. 
I'll babysit kids in the nursery for repentance. Okay? That's what I'll do. Not knowing that your soul is going to be required for of you tomorrow. Tomorrow. And you may say, that's not fair. That's not fair that some of these people didn't get to live out their dreams. And I will say this. If you have Christ and you get to see Him tomorrow, I'm saying that's not fair. Because i got to stay here. Now, I love my family. I love my kids. I love my church. I love my friends. I love all this. I, I, I tell you, I've been blessed. But if you give me the choice of seeing Christ tonight, I'm going to be I am running for that door. I'm going to be running for it. Because I am ready. I am ready for that. I am ready to see Jesus. He has washed me in His blood. I am clothed in white. I am flawed. I am broken in every way, but my Jesus is not. Are you ready to see Christ now? And if you're not, then you better get ready. Because he's calling people out of the city right now. He's calling people out right now. Are you one of them who he's calling out? And by the way, he's like, how does he know that he's in the city? Because he knows you, because he knows his sheep. And your name is written in the book of life. Is your name written in the book of life? Don't sacrifice an eternity of hell for momentary transient pleasures now. Trust Jesus now. I accepted Christ. You know what? I'm going to restate that. I didn't accept Christ. Christ accepted me. He saved me. You may say, what do you mean he did, you didn't accept Christ? Because if I accepted Christ, that means I did something. I didn't do anything. Jesus saved me. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know when he did it. I really don't know. A lightning bolt didn't strike me. But I believe it was sometime in my mid-teens. And I will tell you that I say I have a regret, but I didn't do anything anyway. But if you want to call it regret, here's my regret. I wish you had saved me earlier. Because I have been walking a very broken path with the Lord probably for about 30 years now. I'll be 43 in like two months. I can't do math. I can't preach and do math at the same time. I'll be 43 in two months. And here's my only desire. I wish that the Lord had saved me earlier. Do not wait. Do not wait to repent and to believe. Do not wait. Because I, if we did a survey in here, and this is it, this is the last thing I'm going to say, if we did a survey in here of those of us who are Christians right now, I bet that there are some of us who got saved later, later in life. And your greatest regret is that you didn't get saved sooner. Because there is nothing like walking with the Lord. You may think that the world has everything to offer and it does not compare to Christ. It just does not compare to Jesus. With Christ there is hope, without Him there is none. So repent and believe. He is the very image of the living God.
He holds everything together. So there's your sermon on chapter 17 and 18. I guess my words of wisdom are, <clears throat> don't plan on making an eternity living in the city of man because it's going to fall flat. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And I thank you that you saved me many years ago. And even though I am, in my own mind, a massive failure, I know that you love me patient with me and you're patient with all of us if you weren't patient Lord you wouldn't have even given us Jesus in the first place but you are and you're gracious and you're merciful and I pray that I pray that others would see Christ as I sometimes see him And personally, Lord, I pray that you would allow me to see Christ as you see him more regularly. I pray that we are not walking with the world, but that we are walking in Christ, being led by the Holy Spirit. If there are, are individuals who are here this morning or who listen to this podcast who are unsure where they are with Christ, I pray, pray that you would reveal that to them, Lord. And that you would save them. You would cause them to repent and cause them to, cause them to believe. <coughs> Father, I pray that you would bless our tiny church I pray that you would make us absolutely sold out to Jesus and that we would not be caught up into the city of man where so many people tie up all their hopes and dreams Father we love you we thank you Help us to respond accordingly to your gospel. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.